Welcome to Witchlit, a podcast where we talk about the craft of writing and writing the craft. I'm your host, Victoria Rashke, fiction author, witch, and nosy Scorpio. Zoe Howe is an internationally published author, artist, musician, and solitary witch based in East Anglia, UK. She has 13 books published, including her best-selling biography of Rock's own witchy woman, Stevie Nicks, Visions, Dreams, and Rumors. Howe is a regular host on the award-winning UK station Soho Radio with her popular The Rock and Roll Witch, and she has also appeared on UK TV and radio outlets, including the BBC and Sky Arts. Her work has been acclaimed by publications including The Guardian, The Sunday Express, Teen Vogue, Rolling Stone, and elsewhere. She is currently the Royal Literary Fund Writing Fellow at Newnham College, University of Cambridge. Her new book, Witchful Thinking, is available from Llewellyn in the U.S. in April 2022. Zoe Howe, welcome to Witchlet. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. We chatted a little bit before and I've already gushed about your book. So now we get to talk about it some more. It's hurrah. (laughs) So our first question for everybody is why write? I know you're a triple threat because you've got a lot else going on. So why write in addition to make music and art? Well, writing, that's such a big question. Just two words, but it's a big question. Why write? There are so many reasons why why uh, one should write and why I can't not write. Um, But I think the first thing that springs to mind really is um, that that sense of getting your thoughts out of your head and onto the page, physicalizing your thoughts. Um, And that can work on a number of levels, you know, just from the point of view of journaling, processing your thoughts from the day. and I, you know, it's obviously used as a, as, as a technique in therapy for a very good reason, because once we get our thoughts out onto that page, you know, it, it, they, they become a, a little bit easier to control and uh, and to understand. I think writing gives us perspective. Um, so even if it's just for our eyes only, um, that's a powerful thing. And I find myself, you know, everything gets written down. I love lists <laughs> and, you know, notebooks get filled very quickly. And, you know, that to me, it's important for mental health um, and it's important for, you know, recording special things. Uh, because we think, you know, my mum always says that we think we'll remember these things, but we don't. She says, write it all down, you know, whenever there's a synchronicity or something really magical happens or something you know, maybe connected with spirit happens. We think we'll remember these things because they're so fab um, and and they quite quickly fly away. So I write for that reason as well, to record. Um, I always say I'll look back and see if there's any any patterns forming, but I never do. I don't like looking (laughs) back. I I just look forward, but it would probably be quite interesting if I did do that. Um, But also from the point of view, you know, you think of magical journals and books of shadows. That's something that I've always, you know, I've always maintained uh, throughout my life um, and uh, I find it not only interesting from a point of view of recording what I'm doing, setting out and organising my thoughts maybe for a ritual or um, you, you know uh, maybe a new moon list or, or whatever but I feel that just the writing of it is a magical act, making something that was once non-physical 
technically physical um, and I think you know it's interesting you often hear people who are not necessarily magical practitioners saying oh you know I wrote down a list of things that I wanted in in the house that I wanted to buy or you know or, or my perfect partner and you know once that came into my life I found that list again by accident and it fulfilled all of those things and so I think you know even if you don't realize it or look at it that way there is something very powerful about writing down our words and I think with that in mind we have to be very careful about what we write and I think you know this is a really long rambling answer <laughs> but you know that's why I think things like gratitude journals are so great because I used to journal and I used to get you know just get everything out and find myself kind of really going over certain things that maybe weren't so great um, but by keeping a gratitude journal as well I shift the focus and the kind of magnifying glass goes on what what's great and about my day. And you might sort of sit down at the end of a day and think, well, nothing really happened or well, certainly nothing worth, worthy of being written down happened. But once you start, more things start coming to mind and you, you'll think I just write three things down. But you'll, you'll, you'll quickly write 10 things down and think, mm -hmm. wow, actually, some really great things happened today that I would have just ignored because we're human beings and we tend to you know focus on the negative so I think for lots of reasons writing is really important for everybody not just people who call themselves writers yeah yeah I, I like that you touched on like that writing can also be a magical act in and of itself I think that's mm. important to kind of draw draw underline <laughs> under. totally yeah so what has your journey to public I mean like you know, in the intro, you've, you've published several books already, you know, rock and roll biographies and, and mm. you've just done a ton of writing in that field, but what was your journey to getting published? Like, well, it's, it's funny because, um, I didn't really have any contacts in that world particularly, but I think it was my first book, which was a biography of the slits, the female punk band, the slits came out in 2009. And, Really, I just wanted to, I was already kind of writing here and there, um, and uh, but I, I just thought, wow, you know, they really deserve a book. Why haven't they got a book? All the male bands have got books galore, you know. So I was like, what's going on there? So I, I've thought, well, you know, no one's doing this. In true punk DIY style, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. And I got sort of got in touch with the band members and sort of, you know, lots of people and it sort of got the ball rolling. And I would probably, you know, been working on it for about six months before I'd even really thought about maybe I should speak to a publisher. So um, and I just thought, well, I don't know where to start. I haven't got any, you know, I don't know anyone and no, certainly no one knew me. Um, but it was one of those sort of magical things, weirdly, of just it was a sort of an idea whose time had come mm -hmm. and everything kind of aligned to to sort of to, to just kind of work out so one of the members of the slits actually said oh I live do you know a publisher called Omnibus Press and of course little did I realize at the time they're like the biggest music book publisher in the world um, and she said oh well my neighbor works for them maybe you should sort of speak to her and she can connect you with the commissioning editor I was like oh okay <laughs> and so you know and it was just lovely that that kind of came through one of the slits you know actually mm -hmm. came, it was so kind of localized all these things happening mm -hmm. quite unlikely things um and so it, it, it wasn't entirely straightforward, but it was like these things were kind of put into my path and it's like, you know, make of this what you will, you know, this now it's down to you to kind of do the right thing. So 
Um, I did send out a pitch to Omnibus and I sent out a pitch to another publisher as well. And they were interested, but the, the, the editor was having some ill health problems and it didn't quite align. Mm-hmm. Um, but Omnibus... They they went quiet and I thought, oh, I'm just going to try again. And it turned out that, you know, the person who'd been sent the email just hadn't received it or read it properly or whatever. So there's a little lesson there. Always, always try twice, you know. Yes. <laughs> don't just think, oh, it's just they don't want it. So I'll ignore it. Just always persist uh, in a nice way. And um, and so this this uh, commissioning editor, Chris Charlesworth, um, responded and was like, oh, yeah, let's have a chat. And, you know, so it kind of. It just sort of grew from there, and um, I felt very fortunate that, that that he agreed to put this book out, which was really quite niche at the time. You know, not that many people were were really celebrating the slits um, as I felt that they they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Omnibus were quite a mainstream publisher, so I thought, well, you know, they might not really feel that this is going to sell a lot of copies for them. But um, and lo and behold, it didn't. <laughs> But the fact is, it was really cool of them to take a chance on me and take a chance on the slits. And mm-hmm. um, it was a critical success and, and 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 had lots of lovely effects in other ways, too. Um, and from then on, they said, well, you know, what else do you want to do? Would you like to do another book? I was, obviously, the, ne- the answer is yes. So uh, off, off, I, off we went, you know. So Omnibus have been really good to me. I've done lots of books with them. Uh, the, the book you mentioned um, about Stevie Nicks, that came out with, with Omnibus. Um, I've worked with other publishers as well. Um, on different on different books, and of course, you know, Witchful Thinking came out with uh, is coming out with Llewellyn, which mm. is such an honour. Um, so, so it was one of those things that just kind of once once it got going, it snowballed. And I think, um, you know, I was just fortunate that that it was a relationship that seemed to work, and they were happy to work with me again. Um, and then, you know, as you know, things kind of snowball, don't they? Mm-hmm. I had this like very image, very vivid image when you were talking about, oh, and then one of the band members lived next door to like this, almost like a tarot card fool's journey of getting published. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> like, perfect. It was like, oh, that totally, like, you know, just the, the right door opens at the right mm. time, you know. Isn't that, yeah, you're right. That's such a good way of describing it. That's perfect. Because it's like, you know, very much a sense of, I don't know what I'm doing. There's no, <laughs> you know, there's no manual for this. Or if there is, certainly uh, no one's shown it to me. Uh, but this needs to happen. And this is really exciting. And it's an adventure. And, you know, what what can I say? It's, it's a book about a punk band. Mm-hmm. So you go about it in a punk way. And you don't sort of plan sort of five years ahead mm-hmm. you just go for it and see what happens and you know jump and the net will appear and uh and and it will take you to some interesting places so that that's such a great um analogy that you use the fools that you know the tarot card of the fool um because yeah that's that just sums it up really <laughs> yeah well and i i mean i'm just happy that a book about the slits is out there i have a very soft spot in my heart for punk and they deserve to have a book about them especially oh, a book you. done in a punk DIY way so yes yeah absolutely or someone when it came out um the writer Chris Needs who's a wonderful chap and uh, a very important figure in the punk scene and, and beyond um reviewed it very kindly and uh, and he put it very well he said it was written in in true slit style you know in, in what was it in in true kamikaze slits fashion I was like <laughs> yes it did feel like you know, I just threw myself in and just you know hopes that there'll be a you know something not too hard to land on at the end of it excellent excellent so now that you've published and you're, you know, kind of branching out with this new book, 
Yeah. Like how much of your life is writing? I mean, do you introduce yourself to people as a writer first or? Yes, I would say so. I mean, that, that you know, I, it's always difficult to kind of quantify when you do things in the arts and especially in England, the arts, unfortunately, even though I would say art and culture and music, you know, they are our greatest exports. They're still not really valued and taken as seriously as they should be. Um, or given the support that they 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 need, they're taken for granted very much over here. So, um, you know, I think a lot of artists of every stripe struggle with how to kind of, you know, is that is it okay to call myself an artist? Is it okay? But you know, I, I just think well, okay, I can honestly say that I do earn my living through through doing this. So I don't I don't feel like I'm being a, <laughs> pompous by saying I'm a writer because that is what I do. Um, so yeah, most of my working life is writing. Um, in different capacities and my current work um, with Newnham College um, is working with students on their writing um, mm. and helping them kind of develop uh, you know the, the, the sort of flow I suppose and um, and smooth expression and uh, and all the rest of it so um, so yeah I mean writing writing books has, has brought me there as well which is a very special thing so writing is the most of your life so what does your perfect writing day look like do you have rituals around writing it does you do you have to set up the scene or are you, are you not precious about it well um let me think that's a good question because um yeah I probably do I mean I feel like I go about things in a very chaotic way but I think I think we're creatures of habit aren't we so we we, we probably do have have more routine uh, even when we're doing things in a very kind of natural spontaneous way uh, than we think um generally speaking after I've sort of um you know I've got up and I've had my coffee and I've done my sort of um daily kind of meditation and devotionals and all the rest of it then I will um you know I'll set up my desk and have a little candle burning and so it is I suppose it is like a ritual you know it, it all is like a ritual right down to um answering my emails actually so I do that first because I think get that out of the way then I can I can just give my brain over to sort of a more kind of creative flow I suppose because once I get into that I find it very hard to get out <laughs> and do anything like answering an email for the rest of the day so that has to happen first but um once that's done um and and my mind is sort of clear and I have a cup of tea and um and then I plan I suppose it depends very much on the project that I'm working on so the most recent one I've been working on is uh, was a is a book called The Art of Punk, um, which is, uh, it came actually came out 10 years ago, but I was given the, the lovely job of um, curating the update. Um, so looking at kind of punk art and graphics um, and how they've developed over the past 10 years. Um, and so the rest of the book is obviously goes right from the ground zero of punk. So mm -hmm. I've just kind of been updating it, which has been a really interesting project. But of course, you have to plan it in a certain way because you're dealing with visuals as well as conjuring up words so it very much depends on on the project um uh, but i try to make sure i've got a bit of a plan i always have a notepad next to me so i can write things down longhand as well as um you know use the computer so i just find that that's another thing going back to what you we said before about the journaling and stuff um you know everyone's got to do things the way that's right for them but for me i find it really important to do it longhand um when i'm when i'm specifically writing for 
you know, magical purposes or, or get, just getting my thoughts out or, you know, gratitude journaling or whatever, I find, you know, it feels much more real if I do it with a, with a pen or a pencil and paper. Um, it feels much more of a physical tangible thing and then you can kind of work with that as well you can burn it or you can do whatever you know probably best not to sort of burn your laptop if (laughs) if you've written a list of things that you want to get rid of at the dark moon or something like that so so I I always have to have both you know I have to be able to have the kind of analog and the digital working alongside Uh, but other than that um, I just kind of go for it and my cat comes in and tells me when to take breaks They're very good at reminding you, like, oh, you need to stand up because you need to feed me. If yes, else, well, basically, I, I yeah. like to think that it's some kind of selfless uh, feline um, service. But of course, it is basically about, you know, eating and you know, <laughs> mostly their eating rather than mine. So <laughs> whatever works. Yes. Uh, they're useful in that way, but they do have their own motives. <laughs> indeed. So. Indeed, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously this the new book, Witchful Thinking, is about your personal practice. So what kind of prompted you to take this on as a project? Kind of since, like we talked about, this is kind of branching off from what you've published previously. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was one of those sort of nudge, urge things that I suppose maybe 10 years ago, I, I just really thought, I really, I really want to write, I really want to write about kind of... Uh, you know, yeah, my personal experiences and, and, and things that I feel have helped me and might help other people um, as well. And I really wanted to do it, but it was still, I still had that kind of hangover of, um, you know, I'm still kind of in the broom closet. You know, those who know, know, uh, you know, those who would recognize a magical practitioner spot it straight away. And I, I love that. Um, but I certainly wasn't talking about it publicly, put it that way. Um and I think that for a lot of us of, us, of our generation, I think, um, you know, we still have a foot in two kind of worlds that, you know, the world of our parents' generation who w- would not talk about that. You know, they, they were aware that that could lead to alienation or worse. Um, and so that always just felt like, well, that's something you're private about. And I was fine with that for, for, for years, you know. Um, but then suddenly I just thought, I, was like, I, I really do, mm, you know, so I kind of toyed with it for a bit. Um, it just felt like something that, that needed to happen. In the meantime, I'd, I'd been doing quite a bit of radio work anyway, and I thought, oh, well, maybe a way to sort of test the water with this is to sort of pitch a radio show um, called Rock and Roll Witch. It basically kind of um, brings together my two great loves, so rock and roll and, and magic. And because I feel like a lot of rock and roll is magical and, and has a cult at the heart of it, actually, um, you know, and, and people are fine with that. You know, people think that's OK. No one's been kind of massively persecuted for it. In, well, although I say that, that's possibly not true. But anyway, it's another story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that Stevie Nicks um, did go through some some persecution in the in the 80s, um, in fact, she actually never said she was a witch. She came over with the aesthetic and stuff, but she was always very careful for that reason, you know, not to actually say the word or, or admit to it or come out of the broom closet. But there were there was a kind of hardline Christian group who, who did give her a lot of a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had to kind of change or she felt compelled to change how she dressed for a while and how to how she acted and all the rest of it. She really felt quite, quite threatened by them. So, you know, I'm very aware and I certainly was aware of that when I wrote the book. I, I was not going to, you know, go there. I thought if she doesn't want to go there, 
you know, I'm not going to, I'm certainly <laughs> not going to say, well, it doesn't matter what she says. I'm pretty sure she's a witch. I'm just not going to, you know, that's, that's, that's up to her, isn't it? Um, so for that reason, you know, I was like, mm. and then, you know, the show started and it was just such fun to do and to speak to other like-minded people as my guests, you know, like, like what you're doing now and just such a lovely experience. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is going, I think this will be okay to, to maybe write about and, um, so I started, um, well, it actually, I was still kind of tinkering with the idea, but funnily enough, it's nice that it's coming up out around Beltane because at Beltane about five years ago, I was at the Jack and the Green Festival in Hastings, which is, um, a very traditional celebration, uh, on May Day, uh, for, for Beltane and, uh, very pagan and wild and fabulous. And I just had to go into a lovely shop called Heron Hawthorne, which is very witchy, um, <laughs> stationery shop, bought a notebook and a pen, and it just flo- it just flooded out of me the first draft of Witchful Thinking. Um, it, unstoppable. I've never, re- I've never written a book longhand before, ever. I mean, I wouldn't com- contemplate that. You know, I'd, I know I'd say I like writing longhand, but when it comes to writing a book, you... You know, you just your hands get tired. Right. <laughs> so, you know, generally speaking, using the laptop is a little bit easier. But um, I, it just would, wouldn't stop. It just flooded out of me through the pen onto the page, filled this notebook. And it was just such a joyful experience. Um, and it, it wasn't lost on me that it happened at, at Beltane at this fertile, fabulous time. You know, the, just such a, and a liminal time as well. Uh, where certain things were coming through and I just was like oh gosh that was a really lovely experience um I think I just have to do this and see where it takes me so I worked up the draft I pitched it um to lots of publishers and agents didn't really get anywhere for a while um again you know the 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 fact that I'd written lots of books about rock and roll didn't really you know cut any ice in the in the mind body spirit world because they were like well you know I mean there are lots of new authors but they sort of didn't know me and you know there's lots of people who want to write probably quite similar books and stuff but I just thought I'd just keep going and thankfully Llewellyn who I adore I've got lots of Llewellyns on my bookshelf um got back to me and we're like we're, we're very interested in what you want to do you know tell us more and how, how we can work together so off we went and so what I wanted to achieve with it really because obviously as we know and you certainly know because I know you read a lot of these books for your, for your podcast um and in your own time, no doubt, uh, is that there's lots of quite similar witchy books out there. And so on my mind was like, is there is there room for, does the world need this? You know, you think about all those things, because when you put your words out there, it, you do make yourself a bit vulnerable um, and you do have a responsibility to, to, to other people that you refer to maybe, or, you know, it's it's complex. It's a complex thing. You know, I find I, I paint and I love painting because I don't think about those things. I just like, here's my painting. I don't really mind if you don't like it. If you do like it, yay, great. Take from it what you will. But it doesn't, it's not going to ruin my day if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're not into it. Whereas with your words, words can so easily be misinterpreted and it, and it can actually do, you know, some create problems or, you know, we're constantly being misunderstood on social media. People read things, but not properly. And then they make their own conclusions. So it's become more than ever, I think, quite nerve wracking for people who work with words because we're very conscious of trying to make ourselves understood as simply as possible and put across what we want to say. And so I just thought, well, I need to write this from the heart. 
it's going to be a combination of, uh, you know, experiences and things that I've grown up with, um, which was special to me. I mean, not everything, obviously, is quite a lot that I keep private. Um, but there are also a lot of things that 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 I wanted to share um, that I felt were you know, special to me, but also could apply to other people, I guess. And, and it was like, well, look, if I can do these things that I, you can, you know, we all can. It's just a case of, mm -hmm. you know, witchful thinking, which is basically about kind of creating a magical mindset, honing a magical mindset so that the things we want to do are a little bit easier for mm -hmm. us and progressively easier. And we and, and that we view our lives every day in a magical way. Um, and so that that's kind of at the heart of the witchful thinking thing. At first, I wanted to call it witchfulness, like mindfulness, but kind of like a witchy version. <laughs> and witchful thinking kind of grew out of that. Um, but it's not just a personal, it's, it's not a, certainly not a memoir. There's about 30,000 words worth I, I cut out, which were, were all kind of, you know, it's like, hang on, this is turning into an autobiography. <laughs> and I don't think that's what Llewellyn wanted me to do. Um, they, they still wanted it to be something that was like, you know, how to this, how to that, which is fine. So um, what else did I want to do with it? I suppose I wanted to kind of it's not just for witches, I suppose, is, is was, was important to me because I feel like there's a lot of people who identify as witches um just because maybe they watched a few tiktok videos and they you know they drink herbal tea and they've got five crystals and so now i'm a witch and i know there's a lot of appro opprobrium in the pagan community about people who superficially take on the word witch um and i i feel on one on the one hand it's wonderful to see the word being reclaimed in a positive way in lots of different ways and that's mm -hmm. beautiful um, and it means that we can all be ourselves in a much more safe way, openly. And how great is that? But on the other hand, I, I absolutely understand uh, the feeling of, you know, hang on, people aren't taking this seriously. This is a very sacred thing. This is something many people have have an awful lot for over centuries and been misunderstood and been ostracized and worse. So to, to then sort of not you know, treat it with the gravitas that it deserves is is troubling. So I sit on the fence between those two. I feel mm -hmm. both of those things, I suppose. So witchful thinking was meant to say, look, you know, yes, this is for the witchy ones among us, but also it's about kind of making, you know, embracing the magic of every day for everyone, whether you are call yourself a witch or not. You know, there's magic in our lives all the time. It's about noticing it. It's about awareness. It's about embracing it and amplifying it. Um, and seeing where that takes us and you know that that's for all of us you know that's in everybody's life you know whatever they whatever path they choose to walk um, so that was important to me because I thought if you're going to call yourself a witch you know that is a very serious and sacred thing and you know I wanted to sort of basically communicate you know you can you can still be into a lot of these things without necessarily, you know, because you might not honestly be able to call yourself a witch, but you, you, you appreciate natural magic and you appreciate, you know, so it was about kind of communicating beyond the witchy community as well as within it, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. No, it does um, make sense. And there, there are sort of, um, you know, there are kind of, I suppose I didn't want to make a spell book because I think there are lots of those out there already that are far better than anything I could I could conjure up, no pun intended. But what I wanted to do was create the conditions or help people create the conditions where that kind of magical work comes a bit more smoothly 
um, as well. So it, it's sort of lots of things at the same time. And it's also about, you know, using our creativity um, to make magic and mm. and to manifest more effectively in our lives. You know, I think that our innate creativity is sometimes underestimated in how powerful, um, you know, we can work in quite a powerful way with it, I think. Mm. Uh, we were talking earlier and I mentioned like, the book reads like you're talking with a friend, like, let's sit down, have tea. We'll talk about witchy stuff. <laughs> but then like your first suggestion in like further reading is like Agrippa. So clearly <laughs> some research went into this book too. So what did that look like? Cause so much of it is your personal practice and your experience, but then you do have a lot of in notes and like, how did you kind of do the research to dovetail with what you wanted to talk about your own practice? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing, well, I mean, the reason Agrippa's at the top there is mainly because his name begins with A, right. <laughs> as it was an alphabetical order. But, but yes, I hear you, you know, obviously Agrippa. I mean, if you are a magical practitioner, I think, you know, you've got to know your Agrippa, you've got to have Agrippa in your, on, on your magical uh, library or, you know, or sort of by, by the ebook or whatever, you can get translations of it as well now, much easier to work with. Um, but that, you know, yes, I read very widely and always have and um you know it's it's a lifestyle and a spirituality and a study and you know it, it's everything so Agrippa is obviously a very important character cat in that uh, um you know pantheon um and also you know I was aware it was quite interesting working working like this because you know when you're getting your thoughts down and you're writing your experiences or things that have worked for you and and remembering you know references to books that that have been great you know or, or that you've referred to when you're writing a book like this you've got to reference absolutely everything otherwise you can't use it and so <laughs> and so I was like hang on and they're like well where have you heard that then you need to reference it I was like I don't know I just kind of heard it somewhere I just worked and I was like, so but you've got to be absolutely stringent quite rightly to cite and reference absolutely everything and if if something is just something that you kind of heard along the way just through being alive um and it's and you can't cite it then you can't use it so um i did have to kind of really really be very stringent about that and i and i am absolutely um you know supportive of uh, of of the process that that says that you have to do that of course um you know i've had my own work and words uh, used without <laughs> reference and it's it's not great so you know of course I would never do anything without crediting anyone even if they died 500 years ago like Agrippa <laughs> um, but no he is re referred to a few times in the book because um, well I won't I won't you know give too much away but um, he is obviously a very very important mm -hmm. figure um, in the occult so yeah it's lots of things at the same time there's also a lot of patriarchy smashing as you may have noticed mm -hmm. um, between the pages because and I, f I feel like you know you, you can't really be a witch and not feel and notice those things um so there's a lot to say from that point of view um and uh yeah but but and of course you know that's a funny kind of link to, to bring I just wanted to mention that before I forgot really but to, to sort of link that on from after talking about Agrippa is quite amusing because you know it's He's a product of his time, and yes. uh, and those books are are you know quite dismissive of women at times, and you know they, they can be cruel and stuff. But it's like what we were talking about earlier. We have to be able to read materials um, that, that that are ultimately you know important 
um, and and be aware that there will be things in there that we don't agree with fundamentally, mm-hmm. um, but we still have to be able to kind of read critically and intelligently and uh, and say, okay, well, let's look at the context this was written in. Okay, I definitely don't agree with that. That's awful, but there's something here that 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 you know that is at the root of a lot of magic mm-hmm. today, and 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 it helps you to kind of link things together. Um, so so yeah, um, that's why he, he you know he's. I think that I'm rambling now, but I don't know if that, does that answer your question? No, it didn't oh, answer dear. my question. Cause I, I was, I, like I said, you know, like the, the tone, I think belies probably how much work went on behind the scenes. Because... Oh, thank you. Oh, that's, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, no, I do like to keep things kind of warm and irreverent and that's mm-hmm. just my style. And I'm really glad that you said it felt like sitting down with a cup of tea and, 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 and having a witchy chat because, you know, that, that's definitely where I was coming from. And I, I, I want to be able to sort of, um, you know, have that, kind of dialogue with the reader and and share share stuff that I think is positive and and as I say might might help other people or might inspire um other other people to sort of try similar things that that might work for them but at the same time I think anyone writing in this subject you know really needs to kind of yeah I mean I think why wouldn't you want to do your homework and your stuff? You know, I think most people like yourself and, and me and, and people like us, they're, they're naturally just going to want to learn as much as they mm-hmm. possibly can about what went before, you know, who's... Uh, we're so lucky as well to have so much to read as well because mm-hmm. when you think about the amount of literature that was burned um, and that was destroyed, uh, we're still piecing things together now um and so i think we we naturally want to sort of voraciously read as much as we can because maybe subconsciously we're aware of just how much was destroyed mm-hmm. well and i think um it just it, like you said with the podcast and talking to a lot of different authors a lot of people have kind of mentioned feeling like we're kind of in this new golden age of publishing mm. about paganism and witchcraft and the occult there's just so many books coming out and so much new scholarship, like not just like at this kind of like pop culture level, but also like deep academic work being done. And there's just, you could literally spend 24 hours a day reading and not get to it all at this point. So that's so true. That's, and it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's ready to be expressed through as many voices as possible. Um, And that is an exciting time to be alive for sure. Mm -hmm. We need it more than ever as well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, um, I mean, I, I am not the first person to comment on this, and I, like you said, I've read it other elsewhere, but I cannot cite it at the moment. But it always seems like the occult and witchcraft has kind of a boom in hard times too. Like it's it's a solace for people in a lot of ways, and an outlet for people who may feel powerless in that other areas. Point. Definitely, and I think I think when you think about what magic is, it's about having control. Mm-hmm. over the things that, that seem to be sort of like threatening to take control of us. We want to take control back. That is important. You know, it's about taking the power back. And so it's, you know, that's such an interesting observation that you made because it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an opportunity to go, right, yeah, no, I'm not having that. That's not, no, what have I got within <laughs> me? Actually, quite a lot, quite a mm-hmm. lot of power, personal power. And that is definitely the way of the witch. Yeah. Did you find like working on the book, that like you changed things about your practice or impacted your practice as you were writing? Oh, that's a good question. It's, it's hard to, you know, 
it feels like quite a while ago since I finished the book because <laughs> so I have to sort of cast my mind back because it's really quite an incremental fluid thing I think mm-hmm. you know I think we're changing all the time and we're developing we, we should be you know we, we, we're growing um so I think inevitably um my practices sort of become um you know yeah developed and become more honed and all the rest of it actually mm-hmm. a change that has happened you know I I've been a solitary practitioner for forever really um and actually very recently in shortly after handing in the book that changed so I'm now working with others um and so you I suppose it just kind of reminded me you never really know where magic's going to take you and and I suppose while I was writing it and of course you've got to be very conscious of who you're writing for you're not writing for yourself you know you're writing for other people and and hoping that they get something out of it and so with that in mind you know I was very conscious of writing you know these are the things that I feel at this moment these are the things that I feel to be true right now but that's probably going to change and you know how you feel right now is probably going to change and that's okay you have to give yourself the space to do that and that's and that that's growth that's what's supposed to happen so I think I probably in writing that maybe went a little bit easier on myself um with that in mind go just just sort of saying to myself you know you are supposed to change you know just was like well, hang on I'm a solitary witch and now now what you know I you don't just sort of label yourself and that's you forever um shift and change and grow and and that's that's beautiful that's important so I suppose that that that's something that springs to mind in terms of uh how things have maybe shifted through the process of writing mm-hmm. So we touched on this a couple of times, or you've touched on it a couple of times, but what do you hope your readers take away from the book? And what do you feel like your responsibility was to them? Um, well, I think, you know, when you're writing a book like this, you definitely do have a lot of responsibility. You're essentially advising people to to try stuff, you know, try quite specific stuff. And you know, of course, everybody has the choice to say, well, I don't really fancy doing that right now, or I, I don't agree with that, or whatever. But, you know, you have to, to the best of your abilities, do it um, in, in, in a way that is inclusive. And, you know, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just sort of, as I say, you, you know, it's, it's all very much from the heart. I'm sorry, I'm just flicking through just to see if I've got any kind of specific examples I wanted to share. But um, what was, remi- remind me of the question. It was about the responsibility of the readers. Like your responsibility to your readers. I mean, what, like when you were writing, what did you want them to take away? And what did you feel like your responsibility hmm. was to them? Well, I suppose what I, what, what I overall hope readers take away from, oh, sorry, my computer's doing an update. Hang on, let me just... <laughs> I'm glad this isn't live. Okay, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Right, okay. All, all is well. Um, I suppose, yeah, I, I wanted people to take away from the uh, the fact that um, magic is really everything. Uh, it's everything all the time. And uh, my hope is that, uh, that people will kind of understand, I guess, that... Um, I'm trying to... I'm sorry, my words are going a bit funny. <laughs> Basically... My hope is that people will embrace magic in a, in, a, in a very complete way, whether they identify as a witch or not, um, mm. because it's so intrinsic and natural to us all. And, and by that, I mean not just thinking, oh, I'm going to do a ritual on the full moon or 
you know, uh, or when I need it. Um, I mean, all day, every day, looking for the magic in, in everything that's around us. And, and it just, it's not just that it makes life better and more beautiful and more enjoyable. You know, that is the charmed life to which I refer in the, in, in the subtitle, but also because that it, you know, a magical mindset, you know, witchful thinking, whatever you want to call it, it's like a muscle that needs to be trained and used. And the more we do that, um, the more um, the, the more magical life becomes and the easier magical work becomes because mm -hmm. we're already in that mode all the time. It could be in quite a subtle way, you know, it doesn't have to be totally full on all the time. But I think, you know, most people who are naturally sort of drawn to magical practice, that, that might be completely natural to them anyway. But I think some people, especially with the, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, um, but, but sort of maybe the TikTok generation, it's all very fast and snappy. And, and, and there may be a possibility that people are treating it in a slightly more superficial way, um, in a not a very deep way or a very devout way. Um, it's like kind of, you know, the Christian who only goes to church on, on, on Sundays or holy days, but the rest of the week isn't really thinking about it at all. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's, it's kind of the same. Um, so I suppose it is about kind of embracing that spirituality in a, in a, in a very complete way because it's, it's so life enhancing. Um, that's the main thing, I guess. Um, and also about kind of, you know, it, it, it is about self-empowerment. Um, it is about, you know, patriarchy smashing and looking at that. Um, it's also about kind of looking at, and this, again, this comes through, you know, patriarchal thinking, but it's about looking at how we see ourselves as, as, as women or people who identify as women, how we, how we change, how we age. And that was a really, mm -hmm. for me, that there's a part of the book that, that does look into that quite a bit. And that's actually one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, I speak to a couple of women who are really, really interesting on that subject, um, on menopause and changing and aging. And it's, it's such a taboo. It's still taboo. We're still kind of trained um, to try and be as young as possible. And so many otherwise very intelligent, brilliant women are completely distracted by trying to stay young, trying to stay sexy and fanciable and desirable. In the meantime, you know, I don't know, we could be using our energy and our time creatively and, and and for the good for the good of all to mm -hmm. use a, a magical phrase so that that was an important part of the book and I hope that people take something positive away from from that just a kind of mm -hmm. reframing of aging and and how we talk about it I don't even know if we really do talk about it enough I think we're getting better at having conversations about things that were previously taboo which is brilliant we're definitely improving with you know even in the past five years we've come such a long way but we can't let the ball drop and um and so there's you know that that's something that that is an important part of the book for me I would say I really appreciated that too because I mean that I mean I'll be 50 this year it's definitely <gasps> no. on my mind <laughs> yeah. 50 yes I don't believe you well you are you are you know you do not look 50 at all oh, I would say well, thank you you, know, you don't even look 40 <laughs> What is this witchcraft? <laughs> Perhaps witchcraft, yes. But I mean, it is on my mind a lot. And, you know, my friends are kind of all around the same age. So we're all kind of going through this at the same time. And and just really now having these conversations as things come up 
like, and realizing that none of us really had any preparation for this. Yeah. So, no. so many women's issues just aren't talked about at all. And I think, you know, we're, we're so many of us come late to even really knowing how to really look at menstruation and uh, no it's 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 we have to find so much out for ourselves i'm so grateful uh for so many of the books that are out there that that kind of help us do that mm -hmm. um and, and and give us a kind of helping hand through all this and by the way when i said oh you don't look 50 what i i, I, I don't <laughs> mean that if you did look 50 that would be a problem because i meant genuinely you don't at all it wasn't meant as a sort of hollow compliment but the fact is you know, I used to love and still do when I was little, I used to look at women with crow's feet and lines, laughter lines on their faces. Mm -hmm. And I just used to think they were the most beautiful things mm -hmm. I'd ever seen. And to the extent that I was like, how do I get those? How do I get laughter lines? <laughs> and I remember sort of like scrunching up my face and sort of like, oh, my mum was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm trying to get crow's feet. Those beautiful girls. And she was like, and then, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's a, just a genuine, honest, unconditioned response of a child to seeing a, a woman with, with lines on her face, which I thought were genuinely beautiful. And, and what I also think is beautiful is the fact is that I couldn't get, I hadn't earned those. I had to live mm -hmm. a life of merriment and laughter and joy and positivity to get some of my own. And I thought, well, that, that's even more beautiful. So we just, it's a reframing of so many of these things um, that we need because you know, I think there's nothing cooler than a cool old lady um, who's at home with how old she is and at mm -hmm. home with how she looks and how her... Because, you know, mm -hmm. those changes are, you know, often difficult, I know, and often painful, physically painful, apart from anything else. But we, we also have to find the beauty because there is beauty and there are gifts, but mm -hmm. they don't just come guaranteed. We have to embrace them and, and find them and not spend our whole time kind of concentrating on trying to look young or, 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 you know, doing stuff to ourselves that, that, that actually makes us look not like actual human beings anymore, <laughs> but at least we don't have wrinkles. You know, it's, it's gone yeah. so kind of crazy that I think we need to sort of learn how to listen to women who mm -hmm. have been through the change and been through kind of aging and, and listen to them talk to them because all too often as well another problem that I know a lot of women feel once they uh, go through menopause is they feel invisible mm -hmm. and this is at the very age we should be listening to them the most because they have got all this life experience and wisdom and so it's so topsy-turvy we have to find our way back um, to a kind of balance yeah I think when it, you know kind of that section of the book and then early in the book you also mention that women is an inclusive word. And I thought that was so important because I think, you know, a lot of witchcraft books that are marketed to women tend to have this like gate kept place. Right. And I really think that you, you know, you called out very early in the book. So in a long and talk about, you know, women who menstruate or women who don't, or women who can have babies or women who can't, or, you know, mm. and I think that to me just like even made the book more enjoyable because it was like, oh, this is an inclusive space we're talking about too. This isn't just, you know, women who were assigned female at birth. This is a bigger inclusive umbrella of folks. And I, I just appreciated so that about the book. Oh, thank so. you. No, I'm really pleased you noticed that and that you felt that. Um, that's, that's important to me, um, definitely, because 
yeah, to me, it's just if you identify as female, that you know, of course. I mean, but everyone is welcome to to, to read this book, you mm -hmm. know, in my opinion. But of course, it is naturally, it is geared towards people who identify as female. So, um, and and that's my experience. So I feel mm -hmm. like ultimately, I can only really write. Yeah. truly from the heart from my own experience um but but everyone is welcome of course and i and i hope that men read it you know I, mm -hmm. I, I maybe that's an impossible dream but i do hope that men will read this book as well um because i think there are a lot of things that 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 you know a lot of perceptions that need to change that are so ingrained that that, that i think sometimes people don't even realize they feel them or they re you know they mm -hmm. so i think so again some of the things to about female aging or um, yeah. aging generally you know you can certainly apply them across the board but also we need to there's a lot of internalized misogyny as well you know it's not just it's not just chaps yeah <laughs> but oh, you know no, no. I think ultimately yeah. um yeah there are some perceptions that need changing I'm not saying that my book is the magic bullet to, <laughs> to, to do that but I I kind of you know maybe it's a, a good a good chink in that wall of breaking down that wall so I that's hope good so I, I really hope so yeah <laughs> okay um so I have a last question for you but before we get there do you want to talk about any upcoming projects or let people know where they can get in touch with you um upcoming projects well I suppose there's the art of punk book that I talked about I'm not quite sure when that's coming out but um mm -hmm. yeah maybe don't worry about that um <laughs> but I can yes my show rock and roll witch is on Soho radio every month um, and so if you look up SohoRadioLondon.com um, and look up Rock and Roll Witch, uh, you will find all previous shows there and show details. So if anyone wants to listen to that, then, uh, you know, they'd be very welcome. Um, and uh, other than that, if they want to get hold of Witchful Thinking, um, you can pre-order it via the Llewellyn Worldwide website. Mm -hmm. And there's a link on there. It's quite easy to find. Um, and if they want to get in touch with me, I'm on Instagram and I've got a Facebook page, which is called, well, there's the Rock and Roll Witch on Soho Radio Facebook page. And there's Zoe Howe Books and Art and Rock and Roll. <laughs> I can't remember the name <laughs> of my own Facebook page. I don't use Facebook very often. But, yeah. you know, the usual channels, basically, yes. Twitter, you know, all that. So um, good vibes only, please. <laughs> I'll make sure all that's in the show notes for people who want to find that in your website. And I think a lot of that stuff is on your website too. So yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. Great. Okay. So our last question is, um, and you mentioned when we were emailing back and forth that you were also a Scorpio. So I'm sure you will appreciate this as <laughs> a way to get to those like kind of topics we're not supposed to talk about in polite company. Although honestly, I've said this a couple of times, the whole podcast is a little bit like that, but, um, <laughs> so I'm going to roll this fancy metal die and, uh, depending on what number we get, that's what the question will come from. So the topics are death, sex, religion, politics, or money. And if I roll the six, you get to pick which of those five you would like. Okay. Three religion. Oh, um, we kind of talked a lot about religion, but, um, if you were going to set up your own canon of sainted writers, who would your patron saint be? And because it's you, and I know you have multiple talents, who would you include as your artist and your, and your musician? Well, this is easy, actually, because okay. I would say that the patron saint I would, I would nominate would be um, the writer and witch Marianne Weinstein. Do you know her? I, I have heard of her, but I haven't read any of her. 
she's such a special um person and uh she she's on the other side now she died a few years ago but um she really is my my north star and um when i first started reading which well i was very fortunate because my mum had lots of um kind of occult books on mm-hmm. the shelf anyway sort of grew up with them around so I, I I didn't have to look very far and I'm very aware that a lot of people didn't have that experience so I feel very privileged um but when I kind of was out in the world on my own um I remember finding a book of Marion Weinstein's called Positive Magic in a secondhand bookshop and um it was just like you know, it's probably the wrong word to use, but it was like a Bible to me. I, I, I took it with me everywhere. I wrapped it in um, silver wrapping paper uh, to, so that I could read it on public transport without arousing suspicion. Um, and, you know, so f- ever since then, I just felt like Marianne Weinstein and her writing on positive magic. She was called the positive witch or the positive the ethics witch she called herself mm-hmm. and she was also a comedian as well so she and she did had a radio show called marion's cauldron in the 60s so she was just like for me marion would be the patron saint i could talk about her all night and i won't so maybe I there's a good myself. topic for you in there <laughs> <laughs> you know what i would love to write her biography um but she was a new york witch and i sort of feel like a new yorker or at least an american witch should do it but you know Maybe it'll be like the slits. It's like, no one's doing this. Oh, God, I'll just do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, they say so, write the book you want to see on the shelf. So That is exactly right. That, that was totally my motivation with the slits. So maybe I should do it with the Marion book as well. Oh, that would, I would love that. Anyway, massive tangent. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, Marion, St. Marion. Oh, just, just love her so much. And sidebar, if you look her up on YouTube, she was so ahead of her time. She was one of the first witches to use YouTube when it was a a new platform. She was already in her 60s, I think. Um, And she just made loads of really lovely magical videos at turns of the wheel. And they all feature like her menagerie of familiars and there's dogs and cats everywhere and like wearing little hats. She's hilarious, but just... I'll, to, I'll find some links and put them in the show notes so people can check them oh, out because that sounds great. I would love more people to to uh, hear the Marian Gospel, St. Marian's Gospel. Um, <laughs> and so the artist, so was it an artist I have An to, artist and a musician, yeah. An artist and a musician. So hmm, I would say, oh, that's a difficult one because I feel that artists, many artists are actually magical practitioners, whether they necessarily identify publicly that way or not because... To me, making art is like instant manifestation. You know, once there was nothing, then there was something. You know, that is a magical act. And the fact, just the method of making art puts you in the flow state, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. that is such a key place to be if you want to. That's where magic lives. Um, so, yeah, that's difficult. Mm. I've got two that spring to mind. We'll oh, let you God, have two. Three. We'll let oh, you no. have two. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> let's go for, let's go for Ethel Cahoon who um, actually a friend of mine wrote a wonderful book on. Um, you may know Dr. Amy Hale. Um, she, you should get her on your show, actually. She's fabulous. And she wrote a brilliant book about the art and life of Ethel Cahoon, um, who uh, lived in Cornwall. She was a surrealist, um, but she was kind of an outlier as well. I mean, all surrealists are kind of outliers, but she was an outlier. <laughs> yeah, you know, she was the ultimate outsider. Um, and very much combined the occult with her art. So I would say Ithel, definitely. Um, 
there's another one as well, but you know, probably have to be Dali actually. He was very magical, I think. Oh no, Austin Osman Spare. What am I thinking? We've got to have Austin. <laughs> okay. Austin Osman Spare, yeah. who was a great. Do you know Austin Osman Spare? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course you do. Made lots of amazing magical art. Very interesting guy. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's got actually a wonderful biography that you may have read by Phil Baker. Yeah, it's on, it's on my never-ending TV red pile, but I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> well, you're going to love it. I'm envious of you because you haven't read it yet. You're going to. It's it's a wonderful book. So yeah, big fan of Phil Baker's biography of Austin Osmond's Bear. So two artists, and was it a, a musician? Musician, yeah. It's got to be Stevie Nicks. That's fair. It's got to be Stevie. <laughs> yeah, she is. You know, rocks witchy wise woman, and um, you know, I think I feel like you know. She is obviously a magical being, um, but she I felt she was kind of underestimated as a creative spirit. I think certainly in the 70s, she was just sort of seen as this kind of glamorous, magical sex symbol in Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, the, she wasn't taken as seriously as the other songwriters in the band. Actually, mm -hmm. I feel like now there's a bit a bit more bit of a reckoning, a bit of a reconsideration of Stevie. Um, mm. And she's this kind of like this wise elder of rock and roll. She's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think I know a witch who doesn't like at least one Stevie song. Like, I don't think What's I've met. Favorite? Oh, I really love Rhiannon. I think it may be one of my favorites. But the one that mm. like the one Fleetwood Mac Stevie Nick song that um, I can't listen to and not cry is the landslide is landslide both my parents yeah. have passed and that song just oh. gets me every single time <laughs> so yeah so i have moving. to skip it like if i'm driving i can't listen oh. to it in the car yes so. and silver springs as well i find mm -hmm. silver springs very moving yeah. as well but no landslide i completely especially with the association yeah totally she's an incredibly special songwriter and 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 a very special person i think stevie nicks um, so oh, that's we're, perfect. We're lucky to I like have her. her. I like your pantheon. It's lovely. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. It's a it's a very inadvertently mostly female pantheon. Um, uh, apart from Austin Osmond Spare, isn't it? That's not surprising. No, it's not. It's not. It doesn't. Apropos of nothing, you know, it doesn't make any difference yeah. really. It's just yeah. they're all. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah. thank you for asking. I like the sound of this uh, this pantheon very much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, I like, I, you know, I like the idea, you know, I'm so glad we still have Stevie with us, but like those who have passed, like, you know, the mighty dead, you know, do, inv oh. I think, influence our magic too, so. Very much so. I think that's such a good point. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the lovely, exciting things, I think, about magic is that when you are working magic, you can, you, you feel part of a continuum as well, don't mm -hmm. you? You feel like you are continuing something and you're, and there's a, there's, you're part of something that goes back and back and back and forwards in time. And, you know, I love the sense that, you know, I know a lot of people do say it in their rituals as well. I think Selena Fox is very good at acknowledging that, 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 you know, we are part of something that goes forwards and backwards in time. Mm -hmm. And, and every time we, we light the bale fire or, you know, or, or whatever, we're connecting with every magical worker who did the same in centuries past and you know and also across time now you know across mm -hmm. space now um that's one of the things i love about the turns of the wheel i know that even if i'm just doing a very small ritual it is connecting with 
all of the other people who are doing the same right at that moment. And mm-hmm. I just think that is, is so beautiful. Yeah, that's such a great note to end on. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a wonderful conversation and I um, hope that we get to have another one soon. Oh yes, me too. I've had such a lovely time talking to you. Thank you very much for inviting me on on your podcast and uh, I'm really, really thrilled to meet you. Witch Lit is a production of Thousand Volt Press and is edited by Kaifel Agostini, who also designed our logo. Our music is Cosmic Glow by Andrew K. End, licensed from Pixabay. You can find transcripts and all our previous episodes at witchlitpod.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at witchlitpod. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe and consider giving us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other witches find the show. Thanks for listening and for reading Witchy. Witchy.